Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 301, and it sounds like sounds like the After the Whistle guys had a couple of crazy nights up in uh, a couple of late nights up in Canada. Absolutely. Absolutely ridiculous. All I can tell you is that the only person that knows my secrets from Canada is my personal chef, and luckily for me, he just went paddle boarding. Good one. So I'm good. I'm good. No secrets coming out. Yeah, I had uh my my oldest my oldest son who's 19 had uh brought a couple friends up actually from Buffalo and uh they just left. Thank the Lord. Cuz it was like it was like Frank the Tank for 5 days in a row is ridiculous. So yeah, I think my uh paddleboarding joke went over your head, but that's okay. That's okay. You you're you're out of touch up there in uh God's country up north in Ontario. Speaking of paddleboarding, how about the Buffalo Bills player who had the sea do accident? Yeah. And is now out for the season. Yeah, that uh That's a tough one. That's that's a tough one. You know, I mean um the 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 sea What's his name? Yeah. What's his name? Hines, um, Naheem Hines. Okay, nice running back. He had uh, he had one hell of a run last year uh, with a punt return. But uh, so uh, he's jet skiing, and someone drives into the side of his jet ski and like what crushes? His I think knee or he, something? yeah, I think he was stationary. I think he was stationary, maybe or something like that, and he just got smoked. Uh, I don't know. I it. it uh, Obviously not paying attention or 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 whatever, but uh, that's that's a tough one. You're going to lose. I wonder him what happens season. there. I wonder what happens with his contract. Like, do you think he has to? Do you think he gets paid? I guess if you can't pass a, a medical or a physical, you don't get paid. At least in hockey, right? Well, again, this it, who is this on? I guess is the question. Who is this on? Is it on? Is it on? Uh, him or is it on you know is this uh deemed an accident where you have insurance on your body but uh you know there there is a video of of what happened that's out there and uh have you seen it uh, yes and i would think that he absolutely is it bad? 
it's it's bad. It, he gets hit by he gets hit by a boat. Now he's on a sea do, and so it wasn't another sea do. It was a boat. It was a boat. Oh my god! And they and they collided. Not not a good not a good situation at all. I'm under my I'm under the impression here. And and I could be completely wrong and, and ignorant on on the matter because I ha- I just I'm I'm basically going off a headline. But is it not just his knee, or are there more threatening injuries to his body? I do not know. It's a major knee injury. I he got hit by a boat that was doing that was doing a fairly good clip. Now, how fast do you think you're a boater? Uh, I don't, I don't know how fast, but it's think about it, Petey. If a boat hits you at a, at a really slow speed, it's, it's going to crush your leg. I, I would think that this is a significant injury. They say it's a major knee injury that is going to obviously require some sort of surgery. We don't know what it is. This could be a career ending injury. I mean, if it's, if, if it's that bad. Um, but I'm not going to go uh, watch the, watch the video, but that's a tough goal. And it's worth mentioning because I don't know that I remember any guys getting hurt in the off season and then having it affect, although I thought didn't like looking at this right now, PD, looking at the pick. video, and I'm going to send you the video. I don't want to see the this video. Is, I don't this is on, watch it. This is on him. This is a 1,000% on him. He's in a channel. He's in a channel, you know, probably in Florida someplace or wherever he is, and he's in a channel, and there's boat traffic, okay? And he's on a Sea-Doo, which basically does a big kind of turn and comes into the middle of the channel, which there was a boat coming right behind him and smoked him. This is on him. No question. But that being said, it's, it's unfortunate. Something like this would happen. He's going to be out the entire season. Um, You know, hopefully, hopefully that he can, um, you know, get some good news where they do repair this, that he has a chance to continue his career. So, We'll see what happens. I wish uh, I wish him all the best and uh and a and a strong recovery. So, did you ever worry about that in the off seasons? Yes, very much so. Because listen, I mean, it's in your contract, right? It's in all. It's it's in every contract out there that you know what you do away from the game. You know, in some contracts, they have you know you can't bungee jump or jump out of an airplane uh, with a parachute. Uh, you can't do all those types of things. And if you go and injure yourself, then they have the ability to get out of that contract. So in this situation, this is his wrongdoing. So I would imagine that he is. They don't want to. They don't want to be put in a situation where they have to pay you know, pay out of their pocket for something that he did wrong. So I, I never, this is funny. So I used, my parents used to have a cottage um, and they had, you know, a little boat and you could water ski behind it. And so we would water ski every summer growing up. And I stopped water skiing around 
16, 17. I mean, I was, I wasn't really that good. I didn't enjoy it, but I could do it. Right. You know, the whole slalom thing and everything, but at about 17, I just stopped water skiing because I was drafted in the OHL and I, you know, I yep. wanted to take hockey seriously. Might've even been the year before, like around 16, you know, I was going into my OHL draft year and I needed to be serious. And I had hurt myself in years past water skiing. Right. So yep. whether it's, you know, hamstring, I got a great story for that. Or you twist your knee or something like I, it, it, it happens. So I just stopped water skiing. I was used to, I just didn't want to risk anything. I didn't ever want, I didn't go tubing anymore. Like I didn't do anything like getting even on a jet ski. I was like, I never bought a jet ski. Like I, you know, at the time I could have afforded jet skis, but I'm like, fuck, what if, like, what if I fucking drive into the bluffs or something across the lake? Like, this is my livelihood. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was, I was totally like, I even think I remember hearing, that Eric Lindros, and this could be completely made up, but I remember hearing that Eric Lindros had a clause in his contract that only his dad could drive the boat when he water skied. Did you ever hear this? Yes. Listen, I mean, you got to realize like the amount of money that these, these teams and any sport are putting into, they're buying into these, these athletes they want to make sure that these athletes are taking care of their body. This, this is for the team. These athletes are assets. Okay. You do not want a damaged asset. So you have a lot of these um, contracts that people never talk about that in their contracts, a lot of these, these players have stipulations that they can and cannot do like, I, I I'll give you, I'll give you a great example. When I was in Montreal way, way, way back, um, we had a player that came to camp and who had hurt his shoulder in the summertime comes to camp, cannot pass a physical has to do, um, surgery. And here's the problem with that. They found out now he, the player told the team that he heard it during a workout. The information came out later that he heard it water skiing. That he took, he, he bit it trying to make a cut across the wake. Yeah, yeah. He, he hit it, ripped the shoulder out, Oof. which needed surgery. And I'm pretty sure that he did not get paid. Yeah. Because it was a breach of contract. Why the fuck would a team want to pay the, a player for that? Exactly. Exactly. Like I, I think, think, I think, I think Maxi Finneganoff showed up one year with like a massive gash on his forehead, said he got hit with a puck, but like everybody knew that he, he had got hit with a lead pipe. Yeah. <laughs> Like knew that he wears a visor and he wears it down like Pavel Burra used to. So thing, this thing came down like over his nose. That's how that's how he wore it. And so everyone was like, "There's no way he got hit with a puck, yeah, even if he took his visor off." Right? So it's not funny, but someone said he got like smashed over the head with a crowbar or something. Or something like didn't that the Russians was, have to because he didn't? That was him? the rumor. 
That wasn't, you know, that, I mean, when you have multiple sources coming out, basically saying that he got hit with a lead pipe or something like that. (laughs) Meanwhile, he said he got hit by a puck. Meanwhile, he has a helmet on that the visor comes down to over like his chin area. And the and the and the the, the gash was what, up on the was top the, of his forehead. What was the rest of that rumor though? Uh, there were like mixed reviews. There was like it, yeah. it happened late. Those night are the ones or, that you just want to leave. Uh, you just want to let alone. Or or the uh, or the other one um, that he didn't pay his Russian dues. <laughs> Is, <laughs> have you heard that? Like didn't. Didn't some player go missing, Andre Zuzin or something, go missing years ago because by the KGB because he didn't he didn't pay his like didn't the Russians have to pay some kind of a tax over yeah. in Russia? Well, I mean, it wasn't just about the player in general. You know what, you know what I'm it talking was about, about? It was about the families back in Russia. They had to pay like a like a, a protection tax, or they're gonna, you know hurt the families you, you you had these these young men's coming over to north america playing in the nhl making millions and millions of dollars and obviously the the russian mafia was a big part of wanting a piece to that pie and they they basically went to the players and said if you do not pay us this amount of money for a protection tax then your family's going to get hurt yeah. So there then, was a lot of Russian players that had to deal with this for many, many, many years. And the, to be a part of that. And the North American guys that went over there when they played there, they used to give, they used to pay somebody to come pick up their bags of cash and take them to banks. Did they not? Did you ever hear stories like this when they were playing in uh, in the KHL? What, the, what the, the players that were from North America you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, you had to hire, you had to hire police <laughs> to take you from the rink to the bank on payday, on payday, because the <laughs> the mafia, the Russian mafia, knew that they were getting paid, and if you didn't have protection, then you're done. You're losing all your money. So guys were hiring uh, security guards to take them from the rink to, and they were getting paid in cash, apparently, or uh, tons of stories, crazy. I want to, I want to, I want to change directions here. You know, we haven't talked Sabres very much. If you were to have to pick, and I mean, we can go everywhere in the spectrum. It just doesn't have to be on the ice, off the ice, whatever. What is the best story or, or something that you liked the most from last season? And then the next question is what, did you not like or what did you think that was just ridiculously stupid okay i'll go with the ridiculously stupid first because i just had this conversation with a fan that i bumped into and i who listens to the show regularly and it i can't remember who it was and i wish i did just like i remember jeff from the our lady peace concert who said tell craig he's got to stop rambling on about heights and weights and and guys (laughs) anyway sorry but so i just had this so if you're listening and i spoke to you about it i credit you with bringing it up but it was just just refreshed in my memory a moment during the season where i think there was a big blunder by the entire organization 
the night they decided to start UPL at home against the Toronto Maple Leafs with all the fan base coming in here and not Craig Anderson. Yeah. At a point in the season where you needed your veteran guy who was poised in the net, who could handle the standings, who could handle the emotions, who would calm the team down knowing he was back there, they played UPL. And that's not UPL's fault. They lost the game. And I can't remember the score, but they lost the game because we talked about it. And I said to the guy, I said, we talked about this. He said, yeah, I remember you did. And it was a it was a pivotal point in the season. It was yeah, crucial... not a good not a good point for the uh, not a good situation for the fan base. I remember watching that game. I was so freaking angry. I was so angry with seeing all those Toronto Maple Leaf flames. The whole entire building, like it, it, it felt like eighty percent of all the people were wearing a white or a blue jersey, and they were loud, obnoxious. And I think that Toronto in that game went and absolutely embarrassed the young Buffalo Sabres. And um, I can understand where you're going with that, that you would think that you would want to put your veteran goaltender in to maybe solidify things, but no, but I think that's the, that's the whole point of growth. Do you not think? No, not that situation. You don't want him to grow. If well, you know how he can grow by watching that game, understanding that that's the way it's going to be going forward because that's how it's always been. But how do you grow? Sit you on grow the by and, being and put watch. in a situation and feeling uncomfortable and failing. So next time he is better prepared for it. Emotionally. What happened later on, if I'm not mistaken, if my timeline's correct, and it, it may not be, but maybe one led to the other, but he had the meltdown in Washington later on, too, in the year. Crucial two points. They think they lost that game in a shootout. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, this is all recall off my, and I'm this again, this is not on yeah. UPL. Yeah. It's about you had a, I don't give a shit. How old is Craig? I don't even give a shit how old he was. He was your, he was your most experienced goaltender. Now, I think he was he hurt at one point? Maybe. But I'm pretty damn sure he was available for that leave game. I'll tell you another thing that guy said. Same guy. A little cynical. I'll give him that. But he also said Tage had a slow start and a, and a bad finish. He's like, so... I'm still wondering about which Tage we're going to get next year. And I was like, I was quick to say, I think he was hurt. What do you mean a bad finish? I don't, I don't know. I didn't go look it up. I, I just, I don't think, I think he had a really explosive kind of like from game like 10 to game 60. Yeah. Well, I think, I, I, I think, you know, Tage was also dealing with an injury at that time, was he not? That's what I said. That's what, I, and I just thought it was interesting. This is a fan's perspective, and so his last twelve games in the season, Tage ended up with with five goals and seven points, which is not, which is not, uh, which is not good. But five not, goals, seven, and two assists, or five yeah. goals and. 
Seven five goals, no, five goals. Okay, well, two well fuck you. Say no. Games. So defensively, like you would, that's not something you would mix up, but it is. So the last, yeah, the last twelve games of the season, he didn't play his best, but he, I think he was, he was also hurt in a situation where he was hurt, trying yeah, to play through things, and uh, I, I mean, you know, and you I know, said, I said that I was, I was not. I just it's the same as Darlene too. He went through the same thing. There was a point in the season that he that he missed a game or two and, and uh, he was dealing with some discomfort. He was clearly not the same player because he was just so. I think Tuck dominant. had a bit of a stretch too, didn't he? Where he was, yeah, I mean, just had just like a f- no goals for a bit and like, yeah. but that's again, that's where we talk about depth in the organizations and their teams and you, when those guys are going through that, you have to have that kind of unsung hero guy step up and kind of go on a bit of a stretch where he has a great little stint. You know what I mean? Where yep. he gets a random nine points in 11 games from a third or fourth slider. You know, you're looking for guys to step up. If you remember when we were talking about, um, you know, Casey Middlestad, like Casey Middlestad, when Tage Thompson was uh was down and out and struggling a little bit with with his injury and stuff. Casey Middlestad jumped in there. Twelve his his twelve last twelve games of the season, he had two, four, um seven, nine, eleven, thirteen, seventeen points in twelve games. Casey Middlestad. So he stepped up. I mean, yeah. he stepped up. There's there's some depth on this team, which is which is pretty uh which is pretty positive. And uh so is that your positive then? Because my positive to... was Tage Thompson. And 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 the reason why I'm gonna say that, my positive was for the very, very first time in a very, very long time. Now you can talk about Danny Briere and you can talk about Chris Jury, but I don't think that those two guys still brought what Tage Thompson did to the Buffalo Sabres. Tage Thompson for 65 games of the season last year was in the top five in scoring. Goals and assists. And he put the Buffalo Sabres on the map in the sense that you're always talking about these elite players, the Austin Matthews with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you're looking at, you know, Pasternak with the Boston Bruins, and you have Dreisaitl and McDavid with the Edmonton Oilers, and you have these organizations that you're constantly talking about because they're elite and they're at the top of their game and they're and they're producing goals and points. And Tage Thompson has been the first player. And I can't even tell you how many years to put the Sabres on the map. So people are talking about the Sabres instead of talking about how shitty the organization has been in the last decade plus. Hasn't yeah. made the playoffs in 10 years. That's what everybody wants to talk about. Yeah. But now you're talking positively about something that's being built here in Buffalo. And people are starting to say, hey, this Sabres team is no joke. This is a team that is growing. And now you have a Tage Thompson that's exploded onto the scenes 
and is now giving clout lots to of the people, Buffalo Sabres. Lots of people getting tickets. I'll yes, tell you that much. There are there are a lot of people buying suites. I know that too because I had a yeah. friend of mine just tell me that he bought I think eleven games for a suite or something. So yeah. for his well, I'll tell you if you're if you're a hockey fan and you gave up your tickets years ago because you did not like the direction of the team, you did not like how they were how this whole thing was being run. The product that was on the ice was completely horseshit. You're you're you need to go and get tickets now. Now it's the time. Now is the time because from next year moving forward, the next decade, I'm telling you, the Sabres are gonna be hang on to them for the Leaf games, please. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough to see. It is tough to see as a former player, uh, someone that enjoys this city and enjoys um the process of what's been built here. And I, and I, and I fucking hate Toronto. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I hate Toronto. I played for Montreal for 12 I years. I do listen. I, I love hated. their fans and how they travel. Yeah. When they're good. Oh, they're all like that. They're I the mean, biggest I more, bunch of bandwagoners uh, every, I've ever seen in my entire life. Man. Fan. No, they're not. Has them. No, they're not. You don't understand. Toronto Maple, Leaf, Toronto Maple Leaf fans are the biggest bandwagon team. Listen, in all of hockey. Listen, the Sabre fans are starting to wear more Sabres apparel. I think they're a little more proud, even of their logos and their colors. 12 years ago, Darcy Regeer sat on the podium and said, we're going in a different direction. And there is going to be suffering. Suffering for an organization is going through maybe like a three to a five year uh, plan where you you start over. Okay, that's a three year five year plan. They still had fans supporting this team. It's when you got to year seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Like now, all of a sudden, pe- the fan base is like, "I'm not paying for this shit. I'm not paying for." Uh, you know, top dollar to come and watch this product on the and ice, I don't which blame was them. absolutely I don't, I don't, shit. I don't blame them. And they don't wear the apparel. They're not going to spend the money. Like, don't go waste your money when it, to, to wear something. You know, true fans do. Listen, there are fans that are, are just... You know, there's different. Hold on, man. What do you mean? No, 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 no. You're, you're basically saying the true fans. There's a lot of true fans that were just fed up with how this thing was run. Yep. Do not like the moves, did not see the light. And there's a lot of fans that just said, and I it, am there was done. A, there, there was a I'm big done. Ref- and it showed. Exactly. It showed in the seats, revenues. They were but I'll say this, Kevin Adams. Money. Please Kevin Adams. Money. Don Granado. Those two guys have at, have I've can argue about this till we're blue in the face. I have loved what both of them have done up to this point. Why do up you say argue till you're blue in the face? To, because to you are, are you saying you, it to me? Or? Yes, no, I am absolutely saying it to you because you are the ones. Just such an accusatory fucking tone. It's like, really, you got to tone it that way? I've never said anything. I, I've I, anything you, you say it in a tone that may, makes it sound like I've said more than what I've said on this show. I have no problem. With Don Granado at all. 
None. That's bullshit. I, I don't like the that's complete lineup. bullshit. That's the whole freaking point. We I don't argue like the, about this I don't all the like time. The way the team plays. So you blame Don Granato. Well, he is the coach. So this year, it's it's they wouldn't so, say it. So what don't you like? What don't you like about how they're playing? I think they're terrible defensively. Okay. Okay. Now I wasn't necessarily a defensive gem myself, okay. but I understood the bare minimum of defense. And sometimes so the, I made mistakes. The leader of your defense. Hold on, hold on. Sometimes I made mistakes, but I understood how to play a very simple, safe brand of hockey that will keep you out of trouble for the most yeah. part. And I learned from one of the best in Lindy yeah. Ruff. I also had Randy Cunningworth as my coach in the minors who was a very defensively minded, smart. He gave me a, 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 a binder once and it was Mike Keenan's notes that Keenan gave him when he coached them. So, so, so when I, when I say that, and I think about how Lindy Ruff had, and I, and I credit Lindy, we shit on Lindy, but we credit Lindy. I only had two coaches in this league, Lindy Ruff and Jacques Lemaire. Okay. So when I watched the Buffalo Sabres play their second, third, and fourth lines and defensively in their zone. And I just, I just think to myself, what are they doing? You and I saw Cousins and Quinn just flip-flopping sides like they were on the opposite side one game. Okay, Cousins, or uh, it wasn't even Cousins. It was Paterka and Quinn. Yep. Okay? Okay, Paterka, so can I just Paterka ask a question? left wing ends up on the right wing, and he's so uncomfortable there that he has to yeah. go over to take back his left wing side while the fucking puck is in the left the left corner. Yes. Yep. And leaves yep. his defenseman wide. So you're open. you're talking about overall team defense, not the defense that play defense. Yeah, team defense, team because defense. we like I asked the question about Don Granato, and you kind of said I don't like the way they play defense. So they, is that the the defenders? I would that's have the said, defenseman. I, are I you talking about a five man unit? No, I would have said I don't like how the defensemen play. I don't like how they play defense as a team. Yeah, they they struggled defensively. They it was actually a very fun season to watch because they scored a shit ton of goals, uh, and either won five four or lost five four. Um, and I enjoyed watching it. it. It's fun to watch. I would rather watch that type of hockey. That's just me as a fan than to go and watch some team, you know, shut down another team and win two to one. Okay. That being said, you had a defense core for the first time in a long time that I absolutely see the light. Okay. There are some pieces on the back end, young pieces, whether it's Darlene at 22 starting the season, Darlene at 22, Power at 20, Samuelson at 22, Yoki Haru was 22. Like you had some pieces there that were young guys that are going to continue to grow. Okay. Did they need some changes? Yes. And they went and addressed it. They went and addressed it with two players, Clifton and, and, and Johnson, that I think are really going to solidify a very strong unit of players already. When you're talking and looking at defense and looking at how bad the team was, it is not 
just the D. No, that's what I, I think I was when, and, and this is, I was ready for, cause I was going to like really go off on you because I think the issues is more on the forward line Agreed. than the defense when it comes to killing penalties, when it comes to um, playing defense in the, in the uh, defensive zone. I think, I our, think, I think I, our, you know what I think it comes down stink. to stink. I think it comes down to something. So, and, and again, I already prefaced this with understanding that I played a very simplistic brand of hockey. And even I made mistakes within the most simplest of game plans. Okay. I'm willing to admit that hockey's a fast game. Fuck. I, I get it. It's fast out there. Oh my God. Is it fast? And you got to think fast and you got to be ready. Oh my. And when you're not, you're fucked period. So put on both sides of it. I think we have a tremendous amount of skilled forwards up front, very talented players. Yep. I think when it comes to playing in their own zone, their hockey IQ is much lower than it is when they're going the other way. And the reason Let I say that is this. I've never gonna... I've never seen a team I've never seen a team huck watch more than the Buffalo Sabres in my entire life. Well, listen, I'll, I'll just ask they they Tell flourished me. offensively. They flourished offensively. They struggled immensely defensively on the penalty kill and in zone play. Okay. Let me ask you a quick, and you're I just you're gonna give me an answer. Offense or defense? What type of player is Jeff Skinner? Okay. Offense. He is offense. Does he have any defense in him? No, because that's why he's fucking minus 150. He's he's just not a defensive minded player. He is his his thought process in his mind is I need to produce points to help this team win games. That's what he hasn't figured like out. When he he's made, in the defensive he zone, the playoffs in fucking when he's years. in the defensive zone, if the puck is on the other side of the zone, he's sitting there going, "Please pop out! Please pop out! Please pop out!" So, so he can if just I'm take in the off. defensive zone and I'm a right-handed shot defenseman, and I've got Jeff Skinner on my side. I'm having the fucking greatest night of my life because he's unaware of danger situations. That's just the way it is. He is an offensive minded player. He's always thinking, Oh, is our defenseman going to get the puck? And I've got to freaking get going because I want to score. I want to produce offense. That's what's going to help this team win games. That's what he has in his mind. Guess what? Fucking doesn't work. I don't give a shit. How many, how many times you scored 30 goals or 40 goals? The reality is the best teams out there, the best teams are the ones that have players that play both ends of the ice. And right now, why Jeff Skinner, I, he doesn't I have an in Like JJ Paterka, young player, super, super young player. What he is now to what he's going to be four years from now is going to be completely fucking different. He is was, an incredible player, but he lost coverage like you wouldn't believe. Him and uh, Jack Quinn, incredible offensive talented player. Oh my lord, it was fun to watch. They struggled in the defensive zone. Casey Middlestad, 60 points last year. Okay. An incredible hockey player. He is not considered a defensive minded hockey player. He wants to produce. 
they're the large majority of their forwards all have the same mindset. And the mindset is I want to produce offense because that's what's going to help us win games. They haven't figured out or maybe they have figured out that they need different players. It's okay to have highly offensive players, highly offensive players. But you have to have players that care about defense just as much as they do offense and vice versa. You know, the Sabres were what? Third in the league in, in goals four, which is very exciting. At the same time, I look at I look at the Vegas Golden Knights, a team that was the number one team in the West. They ended up winning the Stanley Cup. And I look at the team and and when I when I say, what kind of player is Mark Stone? Right? Mark Stone is an over a point of game guy. Okay. But he's one of the he's always in the the discussion for uh the Selkie trophy. Right? So he's a defender. When you look at William Carlson, who came from Columbus and then uh, has played a number of years here in Vegas, go and look at his plus minus, Petey. He's plus 10, 15, 20 every single year because he plays both ends of the rink. Barbashev, Jonathan Marchezo. You go look at Chandler Stevenson. He's not just all offense. He is awesome at both ends of the rink. William Carrier, Keegan Colasar. So their entire offense, and then all of a sudden, there's one guy that everyone's like, well, you're not talking about Jack Eichel. He's terrible at defense. No, he's not. If you did not watch him in the playoffs, if you did not watch him, when he came to Buffalo, he struggled immensely for the first three, four years of his career because he's never had to play defense in his entire life. Well, Jack another, Eichel this year in the playoffs was not only the leading point producer in the playoffs, he was one of the best defenders on the ice every single game. Yeah, he was he was solid two ways, and I think a lot of that too comes down to who you're playing with. But it, does Obviously, it come down to maturity also? Yeah, does it course. come down to maturity? Of course it does. Learning what it takes to win. Yeah. And I go back to Jeff Skinner. Go look at his point totals. Kid's an absolute freak. He scored a shit ton of goals. Well, you know, but like, he's I, minus a hundred and fifty. Well, you you talk about understanding and experiencing what it takes to win. I think he's coming up on a thousand games this year, and he's never played in the playoffs. I mean, I'm not trying to pour salt in an open wound here, but. I guess it's going to come back to this analogy that we've talked about before on this show about Scotty Bowman, who is coaching the, uh, the Detroit Red Wings. And we were told this, you remember that? I don't remember who told us this, but Scotty Bowman went to Steve Eiserman as a very young player and basically said, listen, you're getting 125 points a year. Okay. But, by you playing your style, which is all offense, we are losing more games. But you're having individual success points-wise. And he said to, to, to Scotty, uh, Stevie Eisman, he said, would you rather have 85 points or 90 points but win 10 more games because you're playing excellent defense? 
And he and Scott Stevie Usman said, yes, I will take less points for more wins. And that seemed to drive Steve Eisenman's career into being one of the greatest players to ever play the game. But he he learned from a very early age from a coach that basically asked him, do you want to be a winner or do you want to have a shit ton of points at the end of your career? And you look at what he chose multiple Stanley Cups later. Both. He understood. He understood how to win, how to maybe sacrifice some point total, but it's going to be better for the team because you're going to be much better defensively. So, so I many, thought that was an interesting. Points, who told us that? How story? many fucking points did he sacrifice? He played 1,514 games. Any idea how many points he had? I see you leaning over to your computer, you cheater. 1,500 and 1,504. I'm going to say 16. I'm going to say 1,690. You're off by 65. Higher or lower? You tell me. Was he going to go with 17 something then? Well, the math would say 1755. Wow. 196 playoff games. Any idea? 196 playoff games. I'm going to say 253 points. No, 185. Oh, my God. See, he was playing defense. Winning yeah, championships. Yeah, winning championships. Uh, three cups. Three cups. Yeah. Last conversation for the day. Last week, there were some management moves with the Buffalo Sabres or Pagula Sports and Entertainment being the Bills and the Sabres and then everyone, every other team that's under that umbrella. Um, they made some changes. Changes don't, those changes are irrelevant to our show and our discussion. But our show, we sent out uh, a tweet. And it said basically, Terry Pagula has been used and taken advantage of by so many people. How can he trust that anyone has his best interests at heart? There were a lot of responses to that, which I absolutely expected. I don't know how you feel. Well, I do know how you feel. But do you care to interpret what that means from your standpoint? Or would you like me to interpret it from mine? I don't know if I'm going to interpret anything. I just think that uh, there's been a lot of movement. I know COVID uh, COVID was was very difficult on many 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 organizations but i mean there's been a lot of turnover and i'm not talking just like you know since they have owned the low, just the the low end of the totem pole people i'm talking executive members just seem to be going like a in and out like a revolving door and it's uh you know just i guess you raise an eyebrow of uh why this uh why this is happening I think he just gets taken advantage of because I think he's so trusting that over the years people have just seen him as a, as a dollar sign. That's how I want someone to interpret what we wrote. It's not feeling sorry for the billionaire who owns the hockey team and the 
the sports team who suck every year and they can't gain revenue. It's not that. I don't feel sorry for them from the standpoint of of the money. I feel sorry for the standpoint of uh, of the people that have pulled the wool over his eyes to embarrass him to have to make all these moves to the point yeah. where this man has to go and be the president and over now I understand all this while his wife is in a is in a kind of like an unknown medical condition so he has to go and and at his age how old is he 72 72 do you think he wants to be the owner of these two teams and be fucking running them as the president Probably not at this stage. Right? It's a bad look. Do you think any of this could mean potentially a sale of the team? There were all those rumors before. Team's in a good position. They've got some long-term players locked up. Got a steady coach GM situation. You've got that COO there that worked for, was it Fidelity? You know, someone messages me and says they thought when he originally came on that he was here to broker some kind of a sale for the Sabres, but that was just his assumption based off his role and position. Yeah. I mean, don't you think that with the unknown health of his wife, the success of the Bills, and the financial an emotional drain that has been put on him with the Sabres that he wouldn't just want to say, look, I saved this team from being moved. I've made my money on this team because the franchise values have gone up significantly, which will cover probably as well. How much did he buy the team for? How much did uh, One, Terry Pagula? 165, 185, somewhere in there. How much would it sell for in today's market? Senators, the Buffalo just, Sabres Senators bigger- just went for 950. So franchise fees now, expansion fees, Seattle was 650. Yep. So I don't imagine they want to sell that they would want a sale of the team for less than that, which I think is absurd. Less than what? 650. 650. Yeah, which I think is just I, how how is how are the Sabers not? They're a billion dollar organization. Would you not say what? No. If you have the Ottawa Senators that just signed for nine hundred sixty five thousand dollars, nine hundred sixty five nine hundred fifty million or nine hundred sixty five million dollars, do you not think that the fan base here in Buffalo, the arena, everything else, it's one of the hottest hockey markets out there the arena needs a ton of work okay well they're talking about moving the the ottawa senators to downtown i'm talking about the sabers i know the senators but i'm talking about the senators and the sabers and if the senators just sold for 965 million dollars and they're talking about moving the team downtown now you need a building that gets into the political side of things so Okay, fine. But the the arena the arena needs a shit ton of work. The team has sucked. They've hemorrhaged money. 
They've hemorrhaged money since literally since they have had to raise ticket prices to a very to a point that is like this is a small market. It's about being competitive. It's about winning hockey games. The Sabres start to win. Ticket prices skyrocket. So what do you think the franchise is worth? You think I think it's worth I think I think four four hundred and fifty million. And I could be way off. Do you remember what happened with the Bills? I think there was an offer accepted for around eight fifty or nine hundred million. And I think the league wouldn't allow a sale for under a billion dollars, or they wanted they wanted it to be more. So Terry Pagula went and sold some oil field and bought outbid Bon Jovi fucking Bon Jovi for the bills at like 1.4 billion, if I'm not mistaken. And I think he sold the land for like 1.4 billion, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in there. Cause I was doing radio at the time. It was such a power move. I don't know what the franchise would be worth. I just don't know why he would want to have both. Well, I just looked it up. The the values of NHL franchises. Okay. 2022-2023. Do you know what the highest franchise value is? $3 billion? No. $2 billion. $2.12 billion. $2.12 okay. What team is it? It's either one of two. It's either the New York Rangers or the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, you did get number one and number two. Toronto Maple Leafs are the number one uh, team valuation in 2022 at $2,102,000,000. So I'll give you, I'll give you a, an idea. So because, because the evaluation is $2 billion, $2.12 billion doesn't mean that's what it's it's going to be sold for. It's going to be sold for much more than that. It's okay. like the Ottawa Senators, okay, were worth $655 million. They're the 27th team in the league for evaluation. So they're valued at $655, but they sold for $965. Okay. The Buffalo Sabres are right behind them at 635. Wow. 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 Carolina Hurricanes, 29th, 650 Who's last? million. Florida? Arizona oh, is yeah. uh, 465 million. Get your head out. I think of the Sabres are ass. a billion dollar sale. You know how you're getting happens. that for Arizona? Fucking billion dollars. What? Yep. 100%. Because if the Toronto Maple Leafs sell, it's not selling for 2.12, you know, billion. So wait, was the Senator sale in U.S. or Canadian? It's going to be in U.S., I would think. You would think? Canadian, it's a Canadian businessman. He owns the Hamilton Bulldogs, the OHL team. 950 million US. US bucks. Well, I'm telling you right now, Buffalo Sabres were valued at 
635 million. So the Ottawa if, Senators if were valued case, at 655 million. Let's just say Terry Pagula could sell them for seven, 750 million. Oh, why would he, why would okay, you say fine. Seven, seven? Fuck. Can we, can you just work with my number, please? No, I don't want to work with your numbers where they're stupid. Okay. You're not selling the Buffalo Sabres for 700 my when point the Ottawa is, Senators what signed, re- uh, just sold for 950. What a return on the investment. The problem is he probably wants to unload Harbor Center in the deal, too. So is Harbor Center included in that? Is there a practice facility? That's a $200 million. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Well, the team and the building alone. E-Bank is a million dollars. If, you, if, if, if you're going to buy everything, you're going to be buying the Harbor Center, too, which is another $200 million. You're looking at $1.2 billion all day for everything down there. You are absolutely. I want what you're having. If you think the fucking savers are going, would sell for 1.2 billion. I want with the Harbor center and the key bank. Yes, I do. If that is in fact the case, then why wouldn't he just unload it? Do you think it would be hard? They might be evaluated at that, but do you think it would be difficult to find a buyer for the Buffalo Sabres at your? No, no, you don't. No, I don't think there. I I think there'd be people lining up to buy the, buy the Sabres. There'd be groups that would be lining up to buy the Sabres. I don't think, listen, when you're, when you're Terry Pagula and you uh, make a purchase of a football team for 1.4 billion is that is that right? Yeah. How much do you think the bills are worth right now? Years, years later. Give me a guess. Two points for three billion. Three billion. They're selling out. They're selling jerseys. I'm going to say four a and a half. Team. You like that? I'm just waiting for you to give me the number. You're you're typing it in, but you're doing the one finger pump. Said it's valued right now at three point four billion. It's a two billion increase. Not a bad investment. Yes. Not to mention. Let the, me tell you something. The billion he's what already it made is worth. Of. What the franchise is worth is not what it's going to sell for. It's like when you go and you put your house in the market, and then you basically say, "Hey, we're going to have an open house." Would you say on it's- Saturday, and then you will be able to give a bid three days later? Better make it a good one. What is your I'm taking the highest one. So now all of a sudden you have multiple people bidding on a house and it always goes for is your franchise worth worth the same next year if Josh Allen gets hurt? Does this like I think a lot of that value rides on the revenue that a team with Josh Allen and the longevity of his career projection and the numbers that they expect him to put up, what win a Super Bowl or not, if they're good for 10 straight years, your value is incredible. But if you lose your number one quarterback and your golden boy, who's getting a hell of a lot of limelight, by the way, these days, becoming quite a star. Saw in an interview somewhere that he said that he doesn't even really, he didn't even really work out or he doesn't really do much until OTAs. Let's the body heal up, which I probably yeah. understand completely. Well, there's a lot of pressure on this kid. Yeah, man. but you're, you're, you're talking about that. Cause I don't know if you you're on Netflix and you're watching this quarterback, uh, um, series that's, that's out. 
you have uh Mariota and you have uh um cousins cousins and Mahomes. And, and Mahomes and you get to see how insanely dialed in these men are they are just the the elite of the elite and then it just came out i don't know why it's coming out that josh allen does very little in the off season i'm sure he works out and i'm sure he does uh stuff but maybe everybody has a different way of making have sure you heard the same the thing season. you've heard that i same did thing. i did hear okay. the exact same thing so i'm not making it exact up. same thing but you know listen i mean that's blown up bullshit you know like you don't know what josh allen's doing behind the scenes you don't know what he's doing behind the scenes oh i know he's a freaking freak man he's a genetic yeah, he marble a freak he is a freak. He's an absolute genetic marvel. When you're sitting there uh, hurtling over like six foot four freaking linebackers, and you know you're just like you're you're. He's powerful. He's he's fast. He's agile. So whatever the hell he's doing, keep doing. Don't it. Values. Pretty lucky to have him. That's all that that's all that matters. And 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 you know what, Josh Allen probably uh, probably affects the uh, the the franchise price. There's no question. And uh, can't freaking wait. Can't wait for Bill season. Just saying. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.